The Dode Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dode Fox Podcast. I'm Ronnie, he's Paul, and after the Ross Dockery late show, we're now four points ahead at the top of the league with a massive away trip to face the six-fingered Fifers on the horizon. Join the conversation on our socials. We're at Dode Fox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode, a closed door on transfer deadline day, air review, good, bad and ugly, academy news, on this day with the Arab Archive, and the heart has stopped beating as Graham leaves the women's team after five years. It's all coming up on episode 228 of the Dode Fox podcast. Hi, I'm Leo. These two are pricks, and you're listening to the Dode Fox podcast. So welcome back to the award-winning Dode Fox podcast with just back for air via Ken Ross, Paul McNichol and heading off on a well-deserved holiday after a tough week of graft in Barcelona last week. Pause for a breath, Ronnie Costello. So Paul, here we are again. The distance grows, but the heart grows fonder. I believe so. I believe so. I, I'm not sure if we'll ever be in the in the Costello cabin again together to record any of these but you know the show must still go on and here we are dedicated to the cause run here we are Gladiators has just finished and I get your face in front of us for the next hour and a bit a bald gladiator looks back at you and you're not staring in the man unbelievable I can't believe you've even kept your leotard on I'm so lucky <laughs> Anyway, you have been to the West Coast and back today, so a lot of things to get through. Uh, you're in your house, I'm in a hotel room at Edinburgh Airport, because I've had a busy week of work, and I'm just going on holiday, because that's just the way it goes, right? Shut your head how you like, shut your head how you like. I had nearly shook ass at these lies that you're, you're spewing. Graft. Anyway, quiet transfer deadline day then. No centre-half yet. Can still sign on loan until the end of the month. Or a free. But Jim Goodwin does expect one in this week. Sheep could have joined Robbie the Jobby at Tampa Bay. And in a shock to absolutely nobody, the blunder fell down under, sat on his arse, and will continue to count his coin to the end of the season. Where would you like to begin, Paul? Uh, well, <clears throat> the fact that we didn't bring anybody in, uh, I wasn't overly surprised. Like in certain group chats, they were saying, oh, I think we'll get one in, I think we'll get two in. I didn't think we'd get anybody in. Uh, I really didn't. We, we seem, uh, under Jim Goodwin, certainly, we've done our business quite early. We've done that in the summer. We've done it in January relatively early. I think we got Witherspoon middle of the month, but that's likely due to the fact that he was under contract until then. Uh, so it wasn't a surprise to me, but as a wee bit surprising that you're saying he still expects to bring somebody in. I could only imagine that's just going to be a lone player for somewhere then. But uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I, I'm honest, I was kind of surprised that we brought anybody in this month because I didn't think that that we'd be in a position to be bringing boys in. But obviously, there's been something found in the budget from somewhere. Uh, we've got Grieve in on loan the end of the season and an astute signing I would say bringing in Wurderspoon on a six month deal to the end of the season as well to hopefully get over the line Yeah it came out after the game Jim Goodwin has basically said he does expect um, someone to be in early this week 
the I's are not fully dotted and the T's crossed, but it would be expected somebody, and I think the word you used is experience. You know, obviously we've spoken about it. Ollie Denham was the guy that was in. He's obviously since joined Sligo Rovers on loan, as their season will just be about to get underway, won't it? The Irish season's probably no quite started, just probably no far away, but he has joined yeah. uh, Sligo Rovers. But yeah, he came out and said that, you know, Declan Gallagher, a couple of weeks away still. Uh, you've also got Greg Petrie on the bench as a deputy to obviously Ross Graham and Kevin Holt. Uh, but it looks like he would like to bring in someone uh, with experience in the defence, and it should be done by the early part of this week. And it's just a view of shoring up the bat line a little bit, because like you say, and listen, we've said this a lot this season. What if, what if somebody gets injured? What if somebody gets sent off and banned for three games for telling the referee to do one or whatever? You can be left a little bit. So I could see that reasoning. Again, a bit like yourself, I wasn't massively surprised it didn't happen on the day, given we have got that flexibility of we could still loan players to the end of February. And of course, uh, as with the summer, a lot of players were released before the deadline, like literally just released a day or two before or on the day that'll come in. From what I can gather, it'll be someone that's no need going to need their own pre-season, which is always the fear. They're going to have to go through this mini pre-season to get there. That doesn't seem to be the case. So that one certainly they could happen. And like you've said, Witherspoon's come in, uh, Greaves come in, some people again will say, oh, but we could have done another midfielder here, another striker here, definitely need another winger there. I think when you look at that squad, and I still think the I still think the benches are a bit of a nonsense with nine subs. I think it's a nonsense. Like, and you can play five. Let's get back to five or six and you can play three. And you and then I don't think that is, oh, it's a young bench today. Because what we've seen the last week, certainly, and in this week, the bench is getting a bit stronger. Now, I, for, I forget who was on the bench today, but I think Declan Glass missed out again. You know, so there's a player. It's not even strapped. Kieran Freeman, not even stacked the day. So I think you've got to think that the bench is in a pretty decent pl- uh, play. But apart from the asterisks on Academy graduate included in the bench and stuff, you know, the quicker we go back to five subs, or six, including a goalie, and you can only play three, the, the better for me. But, um, yeah, a defensive signing, as I digress there, is definitely what is likely to be expected and hopefully done very early in the week. And then gives them, without going too far ahead, a good 10 days with their new teammates ahead of the next match. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we bring somebody in, depending on who it is, I guess... Uh, It'll be interesting to see whether whether Goodwin wants to to change up the back line or not. Uh, I think it would be it'd be harsh on the guys if he did. If he brought somebody in from another team on loan, I mean, if he if he does do it and and the the, the guy that comes in is better, then like as fans, you're thinking, well, that's that's the way it goes. But for the players' point of view, like if somebody was to miss it, it would be quite harsh because Kevin Holt's not really done anything wrong. Ross Graham's he's had a wee bit of form. And it would obviously be in a day two. <laughs> and and if I was a betting man, I would say it's probably Roscoe that would be the, the odd man out in that scenario. So I think it would be harsh. Uh, I would. I, I wouldn't be against bringing somebody in to bolster the the back line, like from the bench, I suppose, because when you're 
when you've got only Holt and Graham and then you're relying on young Greg Peary who is, is he 16? Is he maybe just turned 17 or so? He's a young laddie uh, and, and it's a tough league to play and especially at centre back like we saw that with Ollie Denham a very highly rated youngster quite a skillful player in fairness just couldn't handle the physicality of Scottish football and that was against Spartans and Brian Graham so yeah it's it's a it's quite a difficult position to come into with no experience in this league I would I would suggest so it'll be interesting to see who we bring in if anyone uh, but I probably personally wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad keen on changing it up just now, especially going into the biggest game of the season the next time we play. Yeah, I'd be massively surprised if somebody came in and, and, and took over, unless we were, you know, unless somebody like a Virgil Van Dyke's all of a sudden became available. You know what I mean? I think knowing where we are, I think that'll still be the two because if um, Dick and Gallagher probably still miss out on that one. We've mentioned him already. Uh, Sheep could have joined Robbie the Jobby at Tampa Bay there was a lot of st- I think with these type of transfers they take a bit longer than on transfer deadline day oh by the way fans are coming down to Florida here again I probably wouldn't be surprised now that you've said that as the omission today if either or both of them were to leave on loan the one thing I've got is for Kieran Freeman for his career I think he has to he has to go and play some football even if it is on temporary basis contracts up the end of the season there's obviously going to be a lot of change in the summer as well. Declan Glass, I feel really, really sorry for because he was in a wee bit of form. He was getting a run of games. He was playing in a different, a lot of different positions to help the team as well. I think Jim Goodwin is a fan, but again, picking up these wee knocks, being out the team and coming back, and when boys have got the jersey, it's hard to get back in there. And like he was just an extra number uh, last week, and obviously seems to be this, the same again the day yeah I mean it, you can definitely view it as harsh but ultimately when these guys have had opportunities certainly this season they, they just they haven't made themselves undroppable like it was it is harsh on Declan because he picked up a wee knock and whatever it's, it was harsh on Cucho because he was in the team he was contributing like you could argue to the to the, the level of his contributions but he was contributing he got that red card against Morton and it's never been the same. He's never really had another look at it. But that's just the way football goes though, Rondo. If you've got the jersey, you've got to do everything in your power to, to, to show the manager that you're undroppable. Like there's, and in this team this season, like you, you've maybe got Jack Walton, the, the back line, I suppose, but in some ways they're undroppable because of the depth behind them. Like there's no that much. Uh, Sybold, uh, for me, the last couple of years, he's probably been undroppable. But everybody else, you know, I wouldn't say there's there's many undroppables in our team. So for Glass and, and for Sheep to miss out completely on the squad, De- uh, Deco the last two games, I don't think he was in it last week either. Uh, you do feel a wee bit for them, but they've, they've either got to work their arse off to get back in the manager's thoughts or get lucky for them, but unlucky for somebody else if there's like injuries or whatever. Or if they go on loan, then I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that's what that says for their time at Tannadice because, as you say, they're both out of contract in the summer. And if you're loaning them out now, uh, I'd be amazed if they're here next season. I'll, I'll probably, if I'm being honest, I'll probably be surprised if they're here anyway next season. Just the way that it's panned out, like if these guys aren't getting games in the championship, and we're our aspiration is to go on and win this league and move up to the top league. I'd, I'd be surprised it's unfortunate it's, it's shite for these guys if they want to remain at the club and they want to play in the top league it is shite but sometimes you need a fresh start 
sometimes you just need a change of scenery uh, to get the best out of you. So we'll have to wait and see about that. But uh, I suppose it wasn't really a surprise that, that Robbie Nielsen, he's obviously somebody that he's, who knows Freeman from before, I would imagine, that he's maybe looking for him. Because uh, I, I don't know the standard of the league over there. I know that they, that the, the fannies, as they are known to their fans, uh, the rowdies, they're known the, the MLS. I think they're in the league below that or a couple of leagues below, something like that. So I've no idea what the standard's like. But, I mean, if uh, if it was me and, and somebody wanted to loan me to Florida for four months, there's not going to be much argument. No, nice, uh, nice way of living. Pick up uh, a bit of money as well and enjoy what's going on around you. I can see a bit. Listen, something might still happen, obviously, uh, this month. On that one, if it was to be one of the two, I think it would be Freeman, um, personally. But listen, we'll see what happens. And listen, to the shock, absolutely nobody, like I've said. But listen, I'm on his side a wee bit. I wouldn't be going to crew either. But Mark Berge, uh didn't move on loan. There was obviously a lot of talk during the window, during the last window as well. That seems to have been the one main interest offer made. But he just thought, <laughs> did I fancy going to crew for four months? No, nah, no. Nah. Well, I mean, he's he's halfway around the world anyway. Does he really want to be halfway around the world and then another five, six hours away from his wife and Ben? Uh, I mean, what's the point? For his point of view, what's the point? Like, he's earning decent coin here, then absolutely hee-haw. Uh, and he's just going to ride that horse until the end of the season as far as... as, far as I, I, th- I thought that in the summer when we, when we were unable to offload him, uh, and nothing that has happened since has changed my mind. These two seven-day loans at Kilmarnock, Kilmarnock's just doing the road. You could drive them back in a couple of hours. It's, it's no big deal. He probably just wanted a wee change for a couple of weeks. But uh, I moved to Crewe, albeit like a, a loan move. I, I just, I could see why he's knocked a bag. I really can't. Unless they were offering silly money, which, which they wouldn't, then uh, it's probably no overly enticing to him. No, no, not at all. Anyway, you're talking about a couple of hours in the car. You'd have been a bit longer, given you go via Ken Ross. But how was your journey to air the day? Because the weather didn't look great at the actual match. No, it was all right. It was uh, it was all right. You went through a wee bit of rain at times and, and whatever. But no, it wasn't. A, it wasn't too bad. It was windy. Uh, it was windy mist of the way. The car was getting blue about now and again. But uh, no, it was it was fine. Just over a, a tour's trip to the game. Uh, I picked the tickets up for the club shop, so I had the phone to get them, uh, and then into the green bond. It was, it was, it was as easy as it could have been. Mm. Via Ken Ross, I'm but, gonna, I'm gonna get to your Scandis Liga uh, once we speak about this game because I've saw pictures online and discussion happening. But we'll get to that. But Jim Goodwin made two changes to the side after last week's pretty shitty, turgid May display against Dunfermline. Alex Grieven, Louis Moult and for Kai Fotherham and Tony Watt to start the game. Yeah, yeah. I was a surprise. Pro- probably no, really, because I think I think in the forward areas you could argue that we're quite we're relatively strong depth wise. We've got options. We've got a number of options in the areas. Uh, and I think we said it last week. Like none of the forward players at all. And like they, <clears throat> none of them. <laughs> to use my word though, like a couple of minutes ago, none of them stood out as being undroppable. Like Tony Watt, I thought was terrible last week. Guy never got into the game. I don't think Middleton got into the game last week. Uh, 
so, so I, w- it wasn't really a surprise. It was, I suppose, in a way, in a strange way, it shows the luxury that we've got to be able to to chop and change and and still kind of maintain a relatively decent level. Talk us through the opening ninety seconds then. The opening ninety seconds was nothing short of shambolic, Rondo. Uh, that was it, it. Was a strange one because when you're watching them warm up and whatever, and you're shoveling a pit down your throat, you you're kind of sheltered behind that goal because I think the wind was coming over that terrace, and so you didn't really feel it, and you didn't really see it when they were tying shots and whatever in the warm up. But as soon as the game kicked off, <laughs> excuse me, and, and somebody took centre, and then the first time the ball was in the air, you were like, oh. It's going windy here. Uh, it's really, really windy. And then I think it was just the, the thing the ball had a bruise on it the first 90 minutes, and then it ended up at 90 seconds, sorry, and then it ended up at Jamie Murphy. And he's just absolutely turned uh, Grimshaw inside out. Like it's, it's no, I don't think it's a strength of Grimshaw is when he's one on one with somebody, he, he tends to he tends to get rinsed more often than not, like he, he really does. I think one on one. He gets. He turns into the midfielder, Grimshaw, I know what a defensive fullback does. There's no good at it, I, I, I think, and I thought that will see. Uh, so I'm not, just, I'm not just saying that because of what, what I'm about to say, but so he, he's been turned inside it, he's had to foul the boy, and boys were boys around me were saying, I can't believe it, that's your first foul, you're throwing up a yellow kid, but it, or it was a booking, like he's just, he's just pulled him, like he's just stopped him, so it is a booking. And like I, we, we should make this clear. Like I am literally just back, coat off, coat lying on the floor beside me here right now, Rondo. I have not seen a thing back. I haven't read anything on social media. I don't again what people's take on this game is. Uh, I've not seen any clips and their goals. But to me, Jamie Murphy couldn't have done that again if he fucking tried. That ball went right in the postage stamp. Right, and I, and I didn't even care if he meant it or if it was a cross into the danger and into the. What's the what do we call it? The the something zone. I can't even mind what we call it. The corridor uncertainty. It was a corridor of uncertainty. He put it right in the middle of that corridor. It ended up in the top corner of the net. So, from his point of view, an absolute peach. Jack Walton. He was probably quite unlucky here because, as I say, like it, it couldn't. Jamie Murphy couldn't have picked the ball up and walked through it at the goal with the bat in his hand and pushed it any closer to that top corner. Uh, so uh, a dreadful start a dreadful start I know, I know, I know. obviously you're saying that you've not seen anything back because it is literally half past eight and the reason we're doing this is because like I say I'm going on holiday first thing in the morning's morning but Jim Goodwin says in his um, post-match that he reckons like the winds basically grabbed that bar and just chucked it yeah. right in the tab in 100% that has played a part of that a hundred percent. As I say, I don't think Murphy could do that again. I know in his day a few years ago he was a good player, uh, but nah, like he, definitely a wind assisted goal. But a piss poor start, Bells. And then Air could have went uh, two 0 up. Uh, a good save from uh, Jal Wan to deny the boy Dowd. I think it was turns. I think he may have turned, and then lost uh, lost Ross Graham, uh, and then he, they could have been ahead uh, even more. Should have. Should have been ahead. I think that it's more a bad miss than a good save because Walton, Walton just kind of stands and, like, for memory, it just hits him. Now, he's, he's obviously made himself big and he'll save it. What do you mean it just hits him? You know, I made myself big and I saved it. You know, he, he did save it 100%. But if that's my striker, if that's the, at the other end of the park, I'm expecting Louis Mop to worry that. 
but oh, he didn't. I, I think it's hit Walton in the chest or face or something. But uh, that that was a, a massive love because if we had went do nothing doing in about eight minutes, then uh, I'm not sure that we would have been sitting here smiling and laughing about this. And then Louis Moult had a chance as well, which seems to have been a bit of a, ca- a crazy opening ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, and I I thought at the time he should have done better, and then I think that led to a corner. And then I seen him having to come back and put another boot on. So, did did he get that chance? And he was only wearing one boot. Or, 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 I, I'm not really oh, sure. Oh yeah, would, Jim Goodwin does say that uh, he he thought he was bootless at the po- at that point. Yeah, yeah. So you can kind of forgive him for maybe no worry in it, but it, it is a chance. It was a great chance. Uh, it seemed like a great chance at the time, but yeah, but we didn't uh, we didn't capitalise on that. Unfortunately, we'll see again going for. <laughs> What I've read on the minefield that is Twitter, by the way, and then reading sort of the some of the reports after the game. I mean, because I'm obviously officially abroad, it was a real struggle getting a, a stream to play games the day, as I would could say there. I mean, my Nord VPN or whatever as was really helping us by no gain as the game. Uh, and then when I did get the game, I needed to take sickness <coughs> tablets because the camera was out of the place, and then I just. That was kind of it. But anyway, we, I digress. Back into that opening sort of 10, 15 minutes. What are we getting back in the game? Were they still creating? Was it about 50 50? How was it starting to pan out? I, I felt for the majority of the first half, I thought that there wasn't much in it. And it wasn't a very, there wasn't much quality in the game either. I felt when the referee blew the whistle at half time, I thought, we. We've been the better team, but it's a low bar. Like uh-huh. when I'm saying that we were the better team, I'm not saying we were good by any stretch of the imagination. Like they weren't a great, they were causing us. They were causing us bother. Like they, they really were. We were putting in plenty of effort. I thought there was a, there was a few times when, like defensively, which was it was unusual. I thought we were kind of at times, and it was cross balls and whatever. And it's and. When I was driving up the road thinking about it, I was like, we've not really been under under the cosh with loads of we teams like dropping loads of crosses on top of our season, but like we had to, the defenders had to earn their dosh uh, the day. But there was certainly a few moments where you were like, oof, that was close. Uh and and as I say, like the, the main takeaway for the first half, we, we didn't play great at all, far from it. Uh, it was it was quite poor in fact, but I still felt at half time and the people I was with, I said, we're still going to win this. Like they're they're dog shit. Like, I didn't see them scoring again. <laughs> they, they could have scored a couple in the second half uh, for some of the chances that they had. But I just thought that we would have enough to get the job done. Uh, so I thought that we were slightly better in the first half, but it was a pretty forgettable game. And the wind was just causing havoc, Rondo. For, for example, we, we I don't care how many corners we got in the first half. It seemed like we got about a dozen, but three of them. And, I, and I'm putting this down to the players that took them. Three of them just went straight out of the park. I was doing my dinger at the other end. I'm like, just keep it doing or play it short or, or work it into the box a different way. As soon as it's lifting off the ground, it's going over the terracing. But it's just madness. Like, if you do it once, fair enough. If you do it twice, come on, boys. What are you doing? Three times. Like, sorry. Ah, uh, come on. I'm on, sit beside your guff. Look. Old Shepard's hook was out. Uh, shouts for Pelly. Sorry. Didn't get that, obviously, but there was a wee bit of shouts. I think it was um, Alex Grief. Alex Grief. Yeah. 
I, I honestly, I couldn't say, but like, I, I don't know if you've ever been doing the summer set or no, but when you're behind the other goal, because you're still quite low doing, it's very hard to, like, you could obviously see doing the other end, but you didn't care how close in people are or how far they are. And it was very hard to see. It looked to me like he was fouled. But then when you had a quick look about his teammates, there wasn't many boys screaming at the referee for a penalty. So I would, I would think it probably wasn't, but I would like to see it again. So half time, you were even though it was uh, we're, we're behind, you were still in confident mood. You seen pl- enough for us to come out. But one thing I'm getting at: what was the reaction like at half time when that whistle went? Given what we heard last week, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't. A, it wasn't the best reaction, but it wasn't the worst reaction. It was just like there's just an, as as we say every week. There's an expectation in this league, like that. The manager knows that. The players know that. They were, he, he's talked about that in the summer when he was signing boys. He says, I need to sign boys that can carry the weight expectation that comes for playing. That comes we playing for Dundee United in the championship. Like we're expected to win. Damn near every game. But po- probably every game in this league. Like fans go in expecting United to be the better team at it. Uh, so when you are trailing, it's it's not going to be overly, overly optimistic and positive. And the fact that the first half itself was really poor and, and really low on quality. No effort, no endeavour for United, I didn't think. I, I wouldn't accuse them of that, but just like you know, st- struggling with fair passes at times and whatever. And it, and it might have been the conditions, but I, I can't say for certain it wasn't. But uh, ah, there, there, there was a couple of boos at halftime, as you would probably expect. Uh, what was getting said in the kind of halftime chats in the room, you, uh, p- people sharing your positivity or were most people just wanting your Pair recommendations. No, but I was getting called positive, Paul, for the twelve people. I was, I was, we, I was like, I'm telling you, we're winning this game. But like, I'm, I'm not caring what you are saying. As I, I see nothing other than a, a three points in the back of my car heading up that road. Uh, so I, I didn't care what I was basing it on Rondo, but I just, just for watching the first 45 I thought, air, have maybe played as good as as they can. We've not really got near to what we can, but we've still been the better team. So I, th- I think that was probably a lot here. When you're a football fan, a lot of it just comes down to fucking blind faith <laughs> a lot of the time. But I just I just had a hunch today that we were still going to get away with three points there. And uh, the second half started with almost a carbon copy of the first. That <laughs> uh, <laughs> really did. And near, near not the positivity, Colleen is. I was thinking, come on, boys, what's going on here? Now we've got a league to be winning, and you're fussing about. Uh, yeah, so uh, so again, uh, I don't know what was said before the game, I don't know what was said at half time, but I dare say that the instructions were not followed to the letter, uh, given how we started both halves. But like, we, we rode our luck, certainly, that's for sure. Yeah, and then uh, there was a bit of a delay as well. One of their boys seemed to have been, uh, well, he seemed to claim he got headed. During a bit of a stramash. Uh. It was hard to see what happened. <laughs> I think there was a... Was it the right back? Was it the number two? Uh, McAllister. McAllister, yeah. So, so he, he was a bit of funny in the first half. He went in and he let out an off squeal. Just doing it at the bottom corner. And he was off the park. And then he, he got up. He had a wee look. He crawled back onto the park. And then went down rolling the book greeting again. He had a ladder in his tights, or he lost an eyelash, or something. Because you had to come on, game got stopped, and then it was the same boy in the second half. And 
But there was a couple of meaty challenges, and then the bar broke between Middle and, and McAllister, and Middleton's went in really hard, right? really firmly. You could argue maybe a straight leg, or that's what that's what it looked like at the time anyway. Again, I would hate to see it. Uh, and it just seemed to kick off there. There was a few boys that were fit air right around Middleton, and then I think there was a wee bit of pushing and shoving. I, I didn't see anybody getting hit up, but again, it was, it was a good 50, 60 or so off of me, so... I think that was the end of McAllister's game. So he, he, Middleton maybe did catch him, like, in fairness to the boy. But come on, though. He was a fanny, so uh, he does that. Middleton going in hard, eh? I'll cheer Sunday's Monday morning right up. Anyway, Subbies, talk to me. Were you screaming out for them before them? Were they unexpected? Uh, it, it was weird. Like, there was a general, a general feeling amongst myself, uh, Sean and, and Stephen, uh, my mate that was there, we were, that we, it was a game that was crying out for Tony Watt. Just a wee bit of shite housing. Just something different. And like, if, if we hadn't got the Tony Watt for last week, then that, that wouldn't have been negative us at all. But when he came on, it absolutely changed. And in, in my opinion, it just it changed the game. It just, and I know he came on at the same time as Kai, and he was a lot better this week than he was last week as well. But something just changed. Like the, the whole team just got a wee lift for you. Uh, and, and I mean, when I was walking out the ground, I heard a few people say, oh, should never have, Goodwin should never have dropped what guy the day. Like, but, but maybe that's, that was a kick up the arse that they needed. And you could have dropped any of the forward players mm. last week. And, and that, because none of them hit the standard that we that were needing. Uh, so the, the subbies were needed, but definitely the right subbies. And I, I personally thought Tony Watt completely changed the game when he came on. Yeah, and he got the he got the first goal. Yeah, uh, again, I would love to see the goal, or I will see the goals back. But I thought the keeper should have done better. Like it seems to just go in. At, both goals go in at his near post, but the Tony Watt one, uh, like he's, he's obviously he's he's took the ball and in fact he nearly created the chances with his first touch. He, he took a touch, he passed it to Louis Moult, put it wide. And there was a wee chance it had in the box, but for the goal, he picks it up, he cuts inside the big lumber in the centre half, and he just hits it low and hard, and it somehow it's went in at the near post. Uh, and there was a bedlam, uh, absolute bedlam in the stand. Yeah, and um, after that, did, did United get a bit of a boost that they were kind of needing? Like you're saying, if it was a bit, uh, the effort and endeavour was there, but it wasn't really coming off. We were starting to see a a bit more uh, getting into the game, putting, getting her foot on the bar, such. And I'm merely thinking because we've went through this chat about this game, and you've barely mentioned a Dockery, a Sibbald, these players that tap the game forward, drive forward. Yeah, the, the, the guys certainly didn't hide. First first half, they, were, they weren't like great, I didn't think. Second half, they came in a wee bit more. Uh, I think Dockery went off eventually. Uh, Nah, it, it felt to me like Tony Watt was the guy that, that everything just changed when he came on. And to answer your question, like when we scored the goal, I think everybody was thinking we're just going to go on and win this. But it, it seemed to talk, I don't know the timings of the goal and whatever, but it seemed to talk about another 10 minutes after our goal before we would create anything else. Uh, whereas you would have thought that we've got the momentum now and we're just, we're just going to go on because we were, we were certainly the better team at that point anyway we were, the, we were the team in the ascendancy I thought albeit they were still having wind assisted chances we, we crosses into, right on top of Jack Walton but 
Like I, I did feel that we would go on and just see the game out and, and get the winner, but it, it, it wasn't as smooth as I thought it would be when that when that first went and it did it did take a wee while to get back. Yeah, we equalised sixty seventh minute is when the the goal went in. Uh, one thing I think it was up the um, it, it was United's goal scored in front of you. Basically, so you you might know I've, I've realised this at the time, but just going on the reports is obviously Scott McMahon's had a brilliant block. They then get a corner, and then the boy Sanders somehow puts it wide. Two yards out. Two yards out. There was there was chances in the second half down the other end for air that I'm going to have to see again because I felt like I, I, like when I touched on earlier saying it was the first game this season that I could think where a team has put us under a bombardment of crosses mm. on top of Jack Walton and from my vantage point of the game I didn't think that we coped very well with it like it seemed to cause us bother all day now air are, air are a really big team like they've got a lot of really big players in that lineup, uh, and there was definitely a few times where I thought, like, you see the bar getting crossed over, and you could see what's coming in on that, and you're thinking, well, that's going to be a goal, and uh, and somehow they've basically fucking made an error, and they've missed these chances. So I don't know. Some of it, some of it was great defending, some last gasp defending, throwing bodies on in the way on the line. McMahon, that you mentioned, I, I can remember him doing that. Uh, but I think some of them are just guilt-edged chances that they, they've absolutely made an answer. Right. The winner. How did you see it? <clears throat> I, I don't care how it went in. <laughs> like, it was, a, it was a bar in the... I'm not even sure if it was in the corridor of uncertainty or if it was just that around about the corridor, maybe in a room after the corridor. But I saw that you could clearly see it was, it was chipped to the back post. And I thought, oh, it's just a wee bit too far. Ross Doherty will get there, but he's going to be a wee bit too far wide. And he gets it back. And I just, I, I, I've no idea how it got in between the post and the keeper. Like the, I just think it's terrible goalkeeper. Uh, but but Doherty's, Doherty's burst of gut to get on the end of it. He's, he's got a shot away. He got the shot on target. So he's done his job. But again, I was thinking, if that's Jack Walton letting that in, like, I might throw my empty Bovril cup at him because that's, that's terrible goalkeeper. But I'm, I'm maybe doing a disservice to Ardy in there. Like, I've only seen it once and I've seen it for a certain angle. Uh, but it could have been the best goal in the world. It could have been the worst goal in the world. It didn't matter. It was bad one behind that goal when I went in. I've just sent it to you. I'll see it after. And it's, <laughs> yeah, Tezo was filming it. It's on his Twitter as well or X, whatever you want to call it. And it is exactly that. I mean, it's just, it's a, what I think flicks on, and Dockery then just, kind of just flicks it back in. And like, you didn't, I'm pretty sure on the, I can't quite see the where the goalie is. But he literally just flicks it back in. And the next thing he is, he's celebrating. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I think it's terrible goalkeeping. I really do. Both goals went in at the near post for the keeper, and that, like as a keeper, and I'm I'm the expert in goalkeeping, but like you can, the goals shouldn't be going in at the near post. Uh, but we'll take it all there on though. And and you know what? I, as I say, we we didn't play great most of the day today. Like endeavour and everything was definitely there. Uh, but I still felt when I went in, we deserved it. Like, I thought we definitely deserved to be to be leading in this game. And some boys will undoubtedly disagree with that, but I just I just felt that we were 
that we were the better team in a fairly stinking match. And to be 2-1 up at that point, you just wanted them to see the game out after that. Yeah, and uh, it was also said by Jim Goodwin, it was things like Ross Docherty played longer than was anticipated and whatever, and he was always going to be coming off it and after that phase of play so they were kind of glad obviously it's what it led to and then he obviously did go off just after that then he got subbed off yeah he scored now and right off I think because yeah. it was it was hard to see what was going on I believe that an air player got sent off at the game right? correct yeah second booking I completely missed that like boys behind us were like they were sort of man sent off I was like I couldn't and I was like one two three sort of I was like what happened there totally missed that but no idea what the boy was set up for. Yeah, got second yellow, no, no idea why. But yeah, we sort of, after the goal went in, Dockery and, and Malt came off, Mockery and Tilson went into midfield. And I think obviously there was maybe the thought to maybe play him 70 minutes this week. It was six, 60 minutes last week, I think, they, he, he got. And he obviously um done the, played that. Obviously, Witherspoon got another hour. Keeve come off after an hour. But yeah, that's, that is how it sort of finished the match. And Obviously, going on, touching on, like, say, I've seen some of the post-match stuff as well, and, you know, Jim Goodwin's come out and said, you know, he really wasn't happy, like, last weekend, we weren't great in the forward areas, you know, we weren't creative enough, and if you're not performing, then you can change up because we've got players that come in, and that's obviously what happened, Tony Watt obviously wasn't happy with it, but reacted in absolutely the right way. 100% Rondos 100% but that is the that is the, the Tony Watt issue though isn't it like if he if he plays like that every week then he's in your team every week but he does not he allows he, he puts in a performance that allows the manager to leave him out and although I was saying that there was a few boys behind me saying oh, he should never have been dropped but there was probably a lot of boys that were thinking why well, he, he definitely deserved to be on the bench this week because of what he offered last week uh, but I mean, there's there's not too much point in dwelling on that. Like he is what he is, uh, and the job he done the day was fantastic. He, he essentially helped us massively to win the three points in it. Three points, massive three points after that disappointment of uh, of last week. Now there's obviously a lot of talk about points, performances, and the results. You know, it's, I mean, for me, I've, I've kind of said it of late that as long as we win these games, yes, it can be a tough watch at times, but winning the games are so, so much more important. When you look at that game, the day and the weather and the conditions and all that kind of stuff, it was probably never going to be pretty. And you go one nil doing right in the first 90 seconds. It is a massive sort of come back as well a comfy behind and get that three points and and take it on a little bit huge absolutely huge Rondo uh, for so many different reasons selfishly because it gives us three points it gives us three more points to where we want to be uh, it also gives us a four point cushion going into the biggest game of the season up to now against our our title rivals if you want to call them that and uh, it must have sickened the people who were in, in Kirkcaldy when they, when they saw that we were, we were one nothing doing. They must have been thinking, class, this is their game in hand, they're going to blow up. Because we've been on the end of the race scoring late goals and, and snatching points that uh, they, they maybe did not look like they were going <clears> to. <throat> so it was massive. It's massive for a number of reasons. And, and in my opinion, 
it also heaps a lot of pressure now on Wraith for the upcoming game when we play them in a couple of weeks. Man of the match. Tell me what. Okay, a 30 minute cameo, eh? Show, just shows you what he, uh, getting that reaction is, is done. And like you say, hopefully it's just something that he can do because, you know, sometimes it's a bit Jekyll and Hyde, but, you know, we've seen it before, Fermi. He can really come up with these moments, and that just seems like that was another wee moment today. Yeah, I, like when you speak to some United fans, some people are pro pony what, and some people can't stand them. I like to think that I'm, I try to be balanced here, like if he's, if he has a good game, I'll say he's had a good game. Like, I, just, I, I, don't, I don't like him or dislike him. Like, he's a United player. I just want him to be very, very good. <laughs> I want him to do his best and then be the best that he can be. As, as we've already said last week, I thought he was effort. And you could, you could cite maybe a lack of effort at times in that game as well. He would dispute that, but that's just the way it looked. Whereas this week, he came on, he knocked his pan in. Everybody seemed to up their level when he came on. And so he contributed massively to, to both goals. So, un- undoubtedly, man of the match this week. No doubt about it. That's after him. So then, I was on Twitter earlier on and I seen conversations going back and forward. And may I open up the conversation to you of the Scrandis Liga of Air United today? Okay. How was it? Well, uh- I went in and I had a steak and ale pie. And I'm trying to remember when it was that I got asked. It might even have been at the live show, but somebody asked what was the best pie that you've had this season. And I, pro- I probably said the ones at Tannadice because they're pretty good. <coughs> Today's pie, Rondo, <coughs> was the best pie by a country mile. It was absolutely delicious. Absolutely magnificent. Steak and ale. The only bad thing was it was four quid. Yes, that's what I was getting at. <laughs> Coming at a cost, it seems. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, it was sure that bought them, so I'm more. But it was four, four quid for a pair. Like, what would they? What would they? Like, it, it was tasty and it was brilliant, but four quid. So you could you could imagine that that's going to be in the good, bad, and ugly at some point. <laughs> so that, that that's the marker set down of. That is the best, but that's the pet of beat this season. I, 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 thought it, I thought it was outstanding, really. Yeah. Outstanding pet. What was better, the pet or getting the three points? Three points every day of the week, Rondo. I'll go pairless for a win. <laughs> Not a problem. Just so happens you can hear the pet first, though, I haven't noticed. Anyway, you've mentioned it. Good, bad, and ugly. Yeah, well, the good this week. We found a way. We weren't great at times, we weren't even good at times, but through sheer bloody-mindedness and determination, we managed to win the game and go four points clear at the top. The bad. When the manager has drawn up a game plan for how to start matches, I'd imagine it's fairly structured and sound. The way that we started the match against there was likely the opposite of everything that they had been told to do. So that was pretty bad. And I've just, just said it there, the ugly £4 for an albeit delicious steak and ale pie is simply taking the piss. Before we get an update of what's been happening uh, we all the usual bits and balls of Academy and women's team and all that, our walking football <laughs> heroes are now no longer part of Dundee United's Community Trust. They are now part of Dundee East Community Sports Club. And we 
the Dode Fox podcast, are the short sponsor for their upcoming season. Now, by the time you listen to this, given it's Saturday night, they will have already played in their first round of matches for the 2024 season. Now, the aim is to give a good account of themselves and maintain a position in the top league at the end of the year. We'll get match updates and more information over the coming weeks. And we'll give you a bit more details about the sessions and all that kind of stuff as well, purely because we are doing this as an early recording. But as we go forward in the weeks and months of the season, we will keep you bang up to date and we'll get you links to Facebook pages and all that kind of stuff, how you can play along and uh, and that as well. But good luck to Steve and all the team for the season ahead. Right, Paul, over to you. Wonderful. Well, as you can imagine, it's fairly abbreviated this week, considering it is nine o'clock on a Saturday night and I was driving for a couple of hours to get in. But anyway, we'll start with Flynn Duffy at Peterhead. Flynn would play another 90 minutes on Saturday, this time down at Clyde. So I'm pretty sure that they play at Hamilton these days and his team scraped a one-all draw with a late, late penalty. Rory Adams at Edinburgh City. Once again, despite putting in a more than decent level of performance, Rury has been on the losing side as his Edinburgh City mob were pumped 3-0 at home by a Lewis O'Donnell-less Celtic. Lewis, as you should all know, was suspended last week due to getting sent off. Leighton Bisland at Falkirk. I'm pretty sure they're playing right now, Rondo, and he was on the bench. They're going to the Diddy Cup semi-final against the New Saints. Leighton started that one on the bench. I've no idea if he's come on. I've no idea if he'll come on. And it's the Diddy Cup, so we don't really care. Logan Chalmers, he couldn't have played the day, obviously, because he was up against the, the, the big team. And then that leads us on to the academy team. It was back to league duty on Friday night for the academy lads when they welcomed Hibs to Foundation Park. They were arguably the better side in the first half, a half that was made more difficult by the bloody wind but they've gone at the break level at nil-nil. The second half was where it all happened, though. Early into that half, Samuel Cleal Harding was showing a straight red from dodgy ref Jamie McConney for an incident that no one appeared to see at the time. Being the intrepid reporter of these matters, though, that I am, Rondo, I went out my way after the match to quiz podcast Al McConney, and he informed me that Samuel was sent off for stamping on the hips player. And here was me thinking that you were allowed to stamp on his players. Anyway, but about 10 minutes after that, the team really struggled to get to grips with things, and likely, due to missing Big Samuel at the back, conceded two-headed goals in short order. At that point, it looked like the game was finished for the 10-man tangerines. Not to be, though. What came next was a spirited fight back. Two wonderful goals, and a near-greatest goal you've ever seen. A great piece of play by the team resulted in the ball ending up at Adam Kamloff. He's taken a touch, moved past his marker and smashed an unstoppable shot low into the corner of the net. A short time after that, young Scott Constable was appended right on the edge of the box. There was an arsehole in the crowd that screamed for a penalty. That'd be me. But the ref deemed the offence to be outside the box. That's no big deal for Rory McLeod though, as he tripped the jumping wall by hammering the free kick low and hard into the back of the net. United would have another couple of chances to snatch a winner, but Hibs were definitely making them defend for their lives at times, which they did admirably. The only other thing of note to mention from the game was when Rory McLeod has picked the ball up about five yards inside his own half 
and he has taken one look up, one touch, and absolutely melted a shot that left the keeper scrambling back to his goal. The ball would just go past the post by inches, and due to that, the game finished 2 all. A really good game of football and a very good performance from the young team. The women's team. Last Sunday, I took myself off to Gussie Foundation Park to watch the team as they welcomed the bottom of the league and winless this season, Hamilton to town. It was a game where there was certainly an expectation of picking up points. But from the get-go, you could just tell that it wasn't going to be that easy. There wasn't all that much in the first half, in fairness, but Hamilton were the better team. They got themselves into a great position by going 2-0 up before United clawed it back to 2-1, right on the stroke of half-time with a goal by Abby Cusick. The hope was that which sparked United to life in the second half, but again, that is not what happened. The second half performance was desperate stuff, and it was one-way traffic all half, and that traffic was all heading towards Megan Sidey in the United goal. Megan was by far United's best player on the day, but even she couldn't keep Hamilton from adding two after the break. Hamilton could even afford to miss a penalty in the second half. One of the worst penalties you'll ever see as well, Rondo. But a matter not a jot as they strolled to their first win of the league season by a scoreline of 4-1. It was as bad a performance as I have seen the team put in in the near five years that I've been going to watch then. That led them on to a midweek away game at Hibs, and it was another tough night for the team. By all accounts, they gave a better performance than they had against Hamilton, but ultimately they came away with nothing again as Hibs ran out 4-0 winners. The defeat at Hibs has also sparked a major change at the club, as manager Graham Hart was informed that his services were no longer required, and after five years at the club, his time was up. It's worth mentioning that Graham's time at the club, in the main, was very successful. He was a member of the coaching staff that stepped up to take the manager's job when Gavin Beath jumped at the advances from the Lady Sheep. He then led the team to promotion to the top league and kept the team up relatively comfortably last season. No small feat. This season really hasn't been great, probably for a number of reasons, but I feel that Graham can go with his head held high. All that means is that the team are managerless at present, but not to worry this weekend. We're recording this rondo and they're away at Rangers in the Cup. So, what's the worst that could happen? Mm, indeed. Yeah, but we wish all the best to Harry and whatever he gets up to next. So, mm. This is obviously the time we jump in and do On This Day in association with the Arab Archive. But before that, I need to tell you about the Arab Archive and their Digital Memories Project. Now, this is something that's just been launched. And if you don't know what the Arab Archive is, and I'm assuming if you listen to this nonsense for this long on an episode, you will know. But the Arab Archive prides itself on having compiled the largest and most comprehensive record of Dundee United statistics anywhere on the web. Verified, maintained, thanks to tireless work of volunteers and passionate fans, supporters, for 18 years they've been doing it. Every player, every match, every appearance, every goal, over 1,500 players, nearly 6,000 matches from 1909 to the present day, and it's been free to access. Available for all, and the important thing is, it always will be. Now, if you are a regular Arab Archive user, you might have noticed that the site doesn't have any images at the minute on player profiles or match reports. The aim of the Arab Archive Digital Memories Project 
is to change that. So they launched in 2006. They wanted to become a reference tool where Arabs can basically just get a wee trip back. Like we use it so much, especially when we've got guests on. We jump on, we look back at games they played, lineups they've played, goals, the A to Z, and all this kind of stuff. And I obviously use it every single week for on this day. Well, what they've now done is they've launched the Arab Archive Digital Memories Project to begin building a digital image library that everyone can be proud of that celebrates United's greatest players, uh, greatest achievements, uh, greatest moments, and just ensuring that, you know, the real detailed statistical history that we've built can be celebrated and just be amazing. But it needs a bit of help. They basically need some money to do this, so they have launched a crowdfunder in order to get to that target. Now, the target is two and a half thousand pounds from what i gather this literally just launched the day and it's already up at nearly 800 pounds um so if you can donate anything at all towards it if you've ever been on the arab archive i'm imagining if everyone that listens to this could put a quid on they do pretty well out it if you've ever checked arab archive and you donated a quid you did do pretty well out of it we'll do a donation as well because we use it so so much but if you can give a donation no matter how big or small it'll help them meet their goal for the digital memories project as a thank you they'll etch the name of every single donor on a special page on the website and they'll acknowledge everyone as a patron of the arab archive with incentives available for larger donations as well the link is on the arab archive uh, twitter page by the time you've listened to this we will have reshared this on uh, Saturdays we record this and probably again on Sunday as well so if you want to get more details you want to get donating and that and uh, on behalf of us thank you so much if you do back it because it is an absolutely brilliant resource absolutely brilliant uh, it really is uh, and uh, often times you'll send me a picture of somebody that they've got on their main page and say what is that and, uh, and most of the times I don't can <laughs> there's a lot of times but it is fantastic as you say we, we use it uh, it's our main go-to for when we've got a guest on. That's where we do our main research, and then obviously you'll maybe pinch a wee bit of elsewhere. But our archive are absolutely fantastic. They've allowed us to play games, our goals. Who am I? I mean, even if they've got Michael O'Neill doing as a striker when we have Gary Wisner, Dixon was born in D when he was like There's a few things that they maybe need to tweak, <laughs> but in general, the best website out there. Absolutely bang on. So, let's get to this week's On This Day. 5th of February is our focus. Four games, all of them, mm-hmm. in cup competitions. Now, Paul, I could see you on the video. You are sat down, and I'm glad you are, because Paul Ritchie captained United into the next round of the Scottish Cup as we ran out 3-0 winners at Palmerston in 2005. First half goals from Jim McIntyre, Mark Wilson and Stuart Duff were enough to book our place in the next round in front of 1,500 away fans, obviously inspired by the captain. Mm. It was the League Cup semi-final at Tynecastle in 2008, a game that we spoke about countless times on the shitty wee podcast. And despite letting the Sheepshaggers go 1-0 up, Darren Dodds made it level just four minutes later on the Hour Mark podcast, pals Craig Conway and Christian Calvin has combined as the Norwegian header us in front. 
Your arse had barely sat back down as Conway latched onto a long ball, Lanfield slipped on his arse, and our pal rounded him and made it 3-1. Minutes later, that big walloper Lee Miller got sent off for the mutton molesters before the man who fucking hates Dundee rolled in the fourth as we booked our place in the final. What a game it was. That was a great night. Anybody that, that was there and can remember if they weren't too fished, what a night that was. That was just one of my favourite memories of going to see United, definitely. United enjoyed yet another fine away day in the Scottish Cup in 2011, a convincing victory at New Douglas Park clinched a place in the last eight. John Daly headed us in front before Paul Dixon made it two, five minutes before half-time. Hamlin Poole won back within a minute of the second half getting underway, but a Prince Bowman volley in front of the 1,200 United fans behind the goal put the game beyond the home side as it finished 3-1. Our final match this week takes us to Ibrox for a Scottish Cup fifth round tie in 2012. That big fanny that is Alan McGregor was kept busy in the opening minutes and United got what they deserved as fleet favourite Gav Gunnan Header us 1-0 in front as he got on the end of a GMS cross. Dusan Pernice was then called in action a couple of times before Paul Dixon found Johnny Russell and Gav Gunnan's chauffeur sparked utter pandemonium in the United end as he lifted the ball over McFanny Boz himself as United advanced into the heart. Now I've got a confession, I forgot about this game and they've got the goal clip on the Arab archive. Now, you did make a wee thing there that the Arab archives sometimes say things that you didn't believe. Like, we all knew Mike Mourinho was a striker and stuff. But they also said that Stuart Armstrong put the ban for uh, for Gav Gunnan. And when I watched the video back, I could confirm it's definitely no Stuart Armstrong. Uh, but it's a great ban, it's a great header. But the finish for Johnny Russell is just lovely. Just absolutely lovely. But uh, a, a great day for uh, for cup action is this date but what a win that was what a win that was 2012 and I've got a good memory of that game for one particular reason uh, so I was near the game but February the 5th is my young lad Leo's birthday as well so on that day he was turning 3 and I was watching the game so it was live on I'm pretty sure it was the BBC and obviously when you're either going one nine up and 2 nine up uh, uh, at Ibrox I'm going berserk wee man wasn't happy like he was roaring and greeting he thought dad was losing his mind so I, I got shouted at uh, that time for his mum I think we fell out and uh, yeah I, I thought I blew it I thought he, he was never going to get into football he can't handle the old man celebrating goals the way that you should celebrate goals against Rangers but thankfully it was just a minor blip in the journey to becoming shedded who he's not mm, indeed so, it's a free weekend next weekend, Paul, ahead of the uh, trip to Fife the following week. Uh, it's obviously because, again, it's the I think it's the next round of the Cup is the reason. It's a bit stop-start it's been since the start of January, but we've just had, obviously, a couple of breaks, a break for two weeks. We come back to film again. It wasn't great, but we've had a massive win today. That next two weeks could be absolutely massive come 10pm on the Friday. Yeah, huge. Uh, it's one that I'm looking forward to, obviously. I would imagine any United fans looking forward to it now. Uh, but you can really, really, really put down a marker if you win that game. 
and it's a winnable game. Play right in there in good form. Uh, there's not been much between the sides, let's be honest. It was 1-0 and then it was 1-0. and It's, it's going to be a tight affair, I would imagine. For some reason, we're the only team that didn't seem to score many goals against them. Uh, I think they leaked, they leaked goals any other week. But uh, yeah, like this, this it could be a real pivotal moment in the season. It could be. But to your point about, well, we've got three weeks. Well, we've got three weeks, guys, we're in fault. Because we've gone knocked two cups. So, uh, uh, but that's that's in the past. No point in negative balls showing up when positive balls here just have. Uh, so I cannot wait. When, when are you going to be back for your, your sunny travel this week, anyway, Rond? Well, Again, I and with all the planning that I had in place, I'd planned it round being back in time for the game kicking off next Saturday for the next round. But here I am, flying out first thing on a Sunday morning to go on holiday. I get back on a Friday, can good time, good good back, plenty of time. If it gets moved to a night kick off on a Friday, oh, I'd be fine for that as well. But no, here we are. So yes. You know, but I need it, mate. I, I, listen, last week, busy week of graft, so now time to, now time to get a bit of a bit R&R. R&R. Yeah. You're sticking with that hard graft last week. There it is. There it is. What? You're doubling down. I like I'm absolutely doubling down. Anyway, it's another free weekend upon us. What is your plans? And will we see you at Hobbycraft? We're at Dode Fox Podcast on social media. Check out the website toadfoxpodcast.com to have a great week. Stay safe and don't forget as always to wash your hands and your arsehole.